yo, yo. Welcome back to A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. Episode, uh, what, wait, what the fuck are we on? Uh, 118, I think. Is it? Yes, it's 118. Because 117 was Dr. Julia Patterson, uh, which if you didn't listen to, you should definitely check out. Uh, especially if you want to be scared stiff about the state of the NHS. Um, there's another guested one coming up this Friday. That was with uh, Dr. Robert Bush. Uh, we talked quite a bit about uh, COVID and whether he is a doctor and an, uh, as an observer of the pandemic, as an academic, whether he has faith that the human race can survive the challenges that we face. Uh, so if you're feeling a little bit too optimistic, maybe listen to that one uh, this weekend. Uh, that'll bring you back down to earth pretty quickly. <laughs> uh it's sort of occurring to me now that like, that's two doctors in a row, right? Um, like, you don't have to be a doctor to be a guest on this show, but, I mean, quite clearly it helps. Uh, doctors, professors. Uh, I like to think guesting with me is the real big boss level qualification academics are yearning for, you know? This is the peak. Like, sure, you got a degree in metaphysics, a PhD in fucking respiratory studies, a, a master's, an MBA, sure, you've spent three years in the slums of South America studying the changes in dialect between different tribes of the fucking Guayupi people. You've achieved a lot, Professor, but let me ask you this. Have you spent an hour of your life talking shit over a beer with a depressed IT dad with a drinking problem? Have you? Be like, well, I, uh, uh, no. No, I, I can't say that I have. Well, then what was it all for? Like you did a TED Talk and a couple of semesters at Yale. But motherfuck your book deal. It means nothing. <laughs> this is the accolade, whether you've been on this podcast or not. I'd like to, I'd like to start sending out people medals, you know? They've been on there. <laughs> like fucking Jim will fix it. <laughs> like, is that too dark? Is that too much? I don't know. Like, you were on A. Thompson and other disappointments in a little fucking pound shop trophy or something. Sometimes people ask, like, you know, what the goal is for the podcast, you know? You want to be on TV? Do you want to be acquisitioned by global media? Or, like, I, I want this to get to the stage where you visit your GP... And there's accreditations or, you know, certificates all up the wall and they're from like curing cancer and, you know, studying genomes. And maybe on your, on your desk, there's a best doctor mug, you know, accolades everywhere. Maybe even like a, you know, second in the egg and spoon race thing, you know, from from his son's school sports day or something. But fuck all of that, because this guy, this winner has an A. Thompson and Other Disappointments medal hanging up. An Adel Fix-It medal. <laughs> Whatever. And that's where the pride is. You know? That's the achievement. The peak. And it doesn't even have to be his pride, either. In fact, like, it would be funnier if it wasn't. <laughs> you know? Like, he just put the medal up there because it seemed as good a place as any to put something like that. Yeah, just put it over there with the rest of the trophies and certificates and shit. It's fine. Just, but yeah. And then his son visits one day, you know, or a patient comes in. Like, whoa, you were on other disappointments. Like, I like the idea that the GP's like, I mean, I, 
I did cure cancer, you know. <laughs> like, oh, sure, sure, but you were on that shit. You know, like one of the Beatles pissed off because his kid's more impressed that he was on Sesame Street. <laughs> like, I mean, we were, we were the first band to conquer America. Oh, shut up, Dad. You were on Thingy with Big Bird. That's the sort of, you know, crushing, ironic, non-prestige I want to offer my guests. Uh, or at least that's that's the aspiration. I do like the idea of a medal, though, you know, so deliciously awkward. Give it to guests after they've been on. Like, yeah, here's a medal with a picture of me next to it in a shell suit with a grey wig on and a cigar in my mouth. <laughs> like, they'd be like, oh, uh, thanks. Anyway, um... What was I talking about? Doctors being on. Yeah, I'm sort of right. I'm kidding about the doctors. Like, there's been lots of other guests. Uh, if it's your first time listening to the show, there's a load of them that you can flip back to. There's like Dane Baptiste, Marina Perkis, Gemma Forte, Otto English. Um, who else has been on? Uh, Jim Felton, Super Tansky. This is a load of them. Have a, have a flick through. See if there's one that piques your interest. Uh, and I do a solo one on Wednesdays where it's just me, like this one, right? And we just sort of shoot the shit, you know? We roast shit a little bit. We pick a tom uh, topic, mostly political, sometimes not. Um, I say I say mostly political because, like... So I used to do stand-up, and I guess I kind of, like, sort of trained my brain-ish, sort of, in some capacity... Uh, too limited success, it has to be said. Uh, I trained my brain in some way to, you know, home in on ridiculousness, right? On parody, exaggeration, character traits or, or whatever. And, I, you know, I could sit here and talk about men and women or, you know, Tesco self-checkouts or funny dates that I've been on. You know, we could do that. But honestly, it's mostly politics, this show, because that is where the most fertile comedy is right now. Things are exaggerated. The people are like caricatures. Like, they're not even fucking, you know, bad guys, in inverted commas. Evil geniuses. They're just hilariously shit, you know? Like, politics is utterly ridiculous right now. Ripe for parody. And so it has to be mocked. And, like, it, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be ridiculous. It shouldn't even be interesting, I don't think. You know, the BBC Parliament channel never used to get viewers. <laughs> and now, now it's like a soap opera, isn't it? You know, it's like, a, you know, this guy over here lied. And that guy knows about it. But him and her, like, they won't let on because they're still caught up with these guys over here. It's a fucking soap opera. In any sane universe, politics should be boring, I think. You know, and if you think back to when you were a kid, a teenager, and you think, you know, like, who was into politics back then? It, like, it'd always be a slightly weird kid in the sixth form who wore a suit <laughs> that was two sizes too big for him. Had a briefcase, maybe? <laughs> and then, you know, the politics teacher would be, like, 
I don't know, there'd be somebody teaching it who wasn't quite as relaxed in themselves as the other teachers, right? You know, like your history or art teachers would be fucking all but smoking a fucking bong in class. They'd just be chilled. But politics A-level teachers were just, you know, I don't know, a bit weird. And if one of your parents' friends was into politics, you know, into politics, they too would be a bit weird, right? A bit like, you know, Men in Black. You know, when it, like in the movie they say there's aliens all around us and they always have been, but they're disguised as human beings. But then there's always something a bit off with them, those people. You know, something a bit weird about those are the sort of people who you used to find would be into politics, like kind of, you know, human ish. Right. And I think that's because politics is supposed to be boring, but it's not now. It always felt like it was boring before. I always felt like boring was the default setting. But I don't know, maybe that's because. Like when I think back to how politics, quote unquote, you know, used to be before social media horse fucked it all. That period also happened to be the period when, you know, I was young and I had other things on my mind. When you're a 16 year old boy, you have other things on your mind. Like when I was 16, literally the only impulses vibrating through my fucking brain were like, you know, Nirvana, Nirvana. God, I love Nirvana. Nirvana are amazing. Oh, I, and vaginas, Vag uh, fucking vaginas. God, I, want, I wonder if anyone will ever let me have sex in them. Music, sex, partying at 16 years old. That was all I thought about. And so then when the news comes on, like the Conservative Party narrowly lost a vote today to increase funding to institutions that fit into the sea. Like maybe it doesn't pique the interest quite so much at that age as music, sex and partying. Like, very few teenagers are at a party and they have a girl on their knee and a beer in their hand. Music blaring, and then they go, whoa, 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 Gary, Gary, shut it off. Shut it all down. Hold my lip ice. Take Lisa home. I just heard the news about the Category C institutional funding. I've got doorstepping to do. Like, very few teenagers are like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Was politics, like, maybe politics used to be boring or did I just have other things on my mind? Um, I don't know. I feel boring is its natural state, though. Because I remember, like, people used to say stuff like, um, you know, we need to find a way to get more people engaged in politics. That used to be a thing that they would wheel out. People find it stuffy and boring. We've got to get them more engaged in politics. And social media changed all that, obviously. You know, it's like some weird, fucked up experiment. Just, you know, two gaudy doctors, you know, like towering over the planet in white coats, looking down on a sort of, you know, relatively stable Western society. One of them says to the other one, OK, let's let's see what happens when we jack them up on endorphins every time they're mean to someone. <laughs> let's see what happens when we when we get them high, when they're mean to someone with the other colour tie on, you know? Just some weird experiment. So you call Farage a cunt or, you know, Corbyn a scruffy bastard or Hillary a crook. 
people are posting shit like, fuck Farage, he's a fascist frog, you know, and 13 people like it on Facebook and the endorphins start flowing. Oh, yes. Oh, give me that sweet, sweet validation. Endorphins, feed it to me. Yum, 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 yum. Oh, it's like seeing a quote of mine in a magazine. This Facebook post, this Facebook status is like someone's, you know, like I'm important. This Facebook status is like my publicist statement or so, you know, people went crazy. Anyway, we know this. This is old news. So it used to be boring and then social media. And now we are where we are, right? With this sort of, you know, endless culture war, amped up rhetoric, uh, enemies of the people, this, saboteurs, that, split country, family members who don't talk to one another anymore, like newspapers with editors that are more radicalized than the fucking readers. And probably, like, politics is so batshit now that there's probably been marriages called off over their opposing stances on Brexit. Like, how sad is that? That that has almost certainly happened. Probably multiple times. And I mean, I say it's sad. Because it is, right? I mean, whenever couples break up, it's sad, but... I mean, that doesn't mean that I would be marrying you if you voted Brexit. No, I mean, fuck that. Like, if you if you if you voted Brexit and you still think it's amazing while your flight gets cancelled and your fruit and veg rot after a day and you take your kids on a riverside walk and you see a shit floating by in the river, like on your nice sunny, sunny Sunday walk. If you take all of that in and you go, yeah, yeah, bloody love brexit i could not be with you i am sorry it's not gonna work and i say that it's sad i mean it's it is it's sad that you were starved of oxygen as a baby that's what is sad here anyway yeah what was i talking about people calling off weddings right over political division almost certainly that has happened in fact, <laughs> if we if we think about it, right, we have moved on from we need to get people more engaged in politics to like we need to get people more engaged in politics and less engaged with one another. <laughs> like, thank you and good night. That was the one actual joke in the podcast this week. It's a uh, wordplay Wednesday, clearly. Um. But anyway, seriously, like there has almost certainly been marriages, weddings called off over politics since 2016, which is wild, right? Because when you when you peel that back a little bit, you pick that scab and look at what's flowing underneath. You know, like that's how deep the division runs, isn't it? That's how powerful those endorphins are. That people's political beliefs might trump their romantic concerns. How? Like, that's wild. Like, I mean, it's tantamount to saying, like, oh, yeah, no, I I like how she brings me to orgasm. Absolutely, I do. But I really like being retweeted 3,000 times and being called comrade and being quoted by the poke. Like, the division is real. <laughs> Let's play with this idea. Fuck it. Because this must have happened. I, like, I don't know what it would be like. It would be like, um, you know, a young couple, say, 
25 and 30 years old. And they're both happy and in love. And they're looking forward to the big day. Until they're driving around one Sunday afternoon down a home county's crescent. Perhaps they're on their way to a food market. And then something comes on the radio and he reacts to it. Someone says something about trade figure manufactory percentages or something. And he says that, I don't know, like uh, he, can, he can see how Brexit was a good thing for northern towns decimated by cheap European labour. He can see that. He has some sympathy. And then she turns around like, Dave, our children won't be able to study abroad because of Brexit. My dad has had to come home from Spain because of Brexit. You know, maybe this guy is from a northern family, but he's moved south, you know? So he's like, uh, well, yeah, but it's about prosperity and looking out for communities that got left behind, as well as your dad's cushy beach hot Harriet. <laughs> forgive, forgive the accent. Like, but this, you know, this resentment and his feelings of professional inadequacy and financial chaos, you know, they've been bubbling under for a while now. And now Brexit is the catalyst for it to finally explode out of him. You know, he's like, there's more important things than your dad's bloody beach hut knocking back daiquiris. People are struggling, Harriet. And she's like, daiquiris? Beach huts, Dave? Is that all you think he's been doing down there? He's been running a business, okay? He was building a nest egg. We would have inherited that, and it's all down the plug hole now. And he's like, oh, God, again with the plug holes. <laughs> I'm really getting into this. I'm sorry. She's like, well, it is down the plug hole. And, you know, Dave's like, you and your bloody family money, Harriet. Some people don't have family money. You think, you think factory workers in the north have some bloody stupid bath plug factory to fall back on and she's like don't you talk down about bath plugs my father's dedicated his life to manufacturing bath plugs and he's like you lot and your bloody bath plugs drive me potty so like he's already getting impatient things are building up she's like defensive now because this is her family thing right it's her dad and she's like bath plugs are the house deposit bath plugs are paying for this wedding, Dave. And he's like, let me tell you something, Harriet. People back home don't care about bath plugs. Me dad and me brother don't give a shit about some Spanish bath plug factory. They care about job security and an honest day's work and to know Johnny Foreigner ain't got to take it from them for half the price. And she's like, Dave! <laughs> he's letting it all out now. Maybe your dad should set up a bath plug factory in Tees Valley. And she's like, don't be ridiculous. Well, he wants to make bath plugs. He could do it here. And she's like, he can't, Dave. They're all getting heated now. Why not? Because anyone listening to this now is going to be like, what the fuck is this podcast? And he's like, why not? It's too expensive. And he's like, you mean he's not paying enough? He's being greedy. He's a typical fat cat greedy cunt as your dad. <laughs> it's getting heated. Like, this is the point of no return now, you know? You know, you could call your fiancé a shitbag or storm off once or twice, you know, or have a blowout at a dinner party. It, you know, it's not great, but it's like, then it's like, look, I'm sorry I got a bit heated. 
I've apologized to your friends. Let's just go and get some food. Let's just like, you could move on from that. But if you call her dad a fucking greedy fat cat cunt, whatever. Oh, I mean, you you must know at that stage you're torching this shit. It's, there's not very, there's very little chance of coming back from that. Typical greedy fat cat cunt is your dad. And she's like, he can't just move his factory to England, Dave. You know, even if he did sculpt them perfectly, his amazing, perfect bath plugs in England, 80% of his clients are in the EU and he has to sell them back to the mainland. And now with all the red tape, Dave, it's too expensive. It's just not viable. And then, you know, Dave's like still fighting his corner. Well, then they should charge more for them, shouldn't they? I don't even run a factory. I mean, Christ, Harriet, I can see that. And I work in telesales, <laughs> part-time, on a very temporary basis <laughs> for, for a succession of different companies. You think he should charge more than the Spanish factories who don't have the logistics delays, the red tape, and who are right next door to the clients? Well, uh, uh, you see, Dave, it just doesn't work. He had to sell up and come home. Well, he should, uh, you know, now Dave's getting desperate. He's like, well, he should uh, adapt and evolve then, Harriet. We're out now. Times change. <laughs> and she's like, adapt and evolve? What, like your dad and brother did? What did you say? And that, that there is her point of no return. Relationship torched. <laughs> adapt and evolve like your dad and brother did. He's like... What did you say? I said your whole family are living in the 1970s, Dave. They should have retrained and learned to code or become recruitment consultants or, or engineers. Honestly, adapt and evolve. You're all fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. Well, you are an overprivileged silver spoon cunt, Harriet. <laughs> well, at least I'm living in the real world and I don't have a... A what? A, um, uh, why don't you just say it? And... Ugly penis. That's it. I'm pulling over. The wedding's off. You can tell your dad he can take his bath plugs and shove them up his ass. Fuck you, Dave. They'll be like a, a bath plug butt plug or, or something. In fact, tell him to try manufacturing butt plugs that you remainers can put in your mouths because your, your mouths are like butts that, that uh, spew out shit or, or something. Bye, Dave. Goodbye. And he slams a citron door. End scene. <laughs> I could totally imagine. I mean, like, I, I just fucking did, right? But, like, I could, couldn't you totally imagine a couple like that falling apart over Brexit? Or now, you know, just over Tories and Labour? Or over the culture war? Or over whether, you know, someone's dad at a wedding, you know, in November wants to wear a poppy or not, you know? Or whether the groom thinks Churchill was a flawless entity of goodness, love and light. Versus, you know, maybe the bride's family of historians and realists and, you know. People are so amped up on politics and it used to be boring. It used to be so boring. Like, can we ever... Here's a question. Do you think, dear listeners, do you think we could ever get back to that? Do you think it's possible like, to climb down from the high temperature of political rhetoric 
that we're now in and the division. You know? I don't know if it is. Like, I I said a minute ago, you know, you used to hear people say, we need to find a way to get people more engaged in politics. More engaged in politics. Like, and sometimes people ask me to get involved in campaigning, you know, or, or they'll ask if I would ever stand for a local seat. And, you know, frankly, the answer is always a, a categorical, emphatic no. Because <laughs> I've had, like... Way too many nights with uh, fucking hookers and coke and <laughs> video footage of me doing dodgy deals with uh, foreign powers and, uh, you know, paper trails of dark money for me to ever survive an election campaign. It would honestly, it would be like day one, vote aid for hope and change. Day two, aid is standing down over allegations he spiked reese mogg's drink with mdma for a goof like i would be not a good candidate let's just leave it at that and i, I just want to do this i like the podcasting stuff right but if i did run a campaign if i did every interview every statement i would be like we need to find a way to get people less engaged in politics we need to unplug you people <laughs> Maybe I'd speak monotonously, you know, deliver every campaign speech in a sort of, you know, Keanu Reeves wooden delivery. Fuck around and de-radicalize your flag fucking uncle, you know? <laughs> like, he'd tune into LBC. He'd be like, well, you know, what are they talking about? So, oh, slave owner statues. Oh, man. Yes, this gets my chemicals flowing. Turn it up. I can't wait to be angry about this. I tell you what, I am so engaged and enraged. I am going to drink in this audio hate and run out and enslave five black guys. That's what I'm going to like that uncle, that that guy. We all know someone like that. That frothing, poppy nonce, slogan coasting uncle who turns up talk TV or LBC or whatever. He's ready ready for the hate to start flowing but it's just me you know monotonously boring you know trying trying to disengage people bore them into submission exit politics completely you know like the the intro on lbc if i was a candidate and they brought me onto lbc the intro would be you know typical you know showbiz pizzazz it'd be like you know little sound effects and you know jingles you know and then you'd have the the uh, presenter guy. He'd be like, joining us tonight uh, to discuss the exploding detonation of Brexit pride and Ramona shame here at Ground Zero of the Culture War, helping us to pull apart the pulling down of a statue is candidate A. Thompson. And your uncle's tuning in. He's like, fuck yeah, this is my jam. Turn it up. I'm enjoying my anger. Oh, and then it cuts to me. I'm like, well, good evening, Ian. It's uh, nice to be here. I personally feel that the advent of statues is an important one that we shouldn't forget, but also perhaps one that has had his... Like, I, then your uncle would be like, fuck, man, this is boring. <laughs> A Spurs playing. Should we just go and watch that? Should we just go and watch Spurs get pissed and talk shit for a bit? Like, we used to do that. Why don't we do that anymore? <laughs> Bore your uncle into submission. Disengage people. Like, that's my goal, really. Is to completely uninspire and disengage people from politics. 
Or at least the people who are too fucking stupid, right? Like a lot of people say, you know, politics is about everyone. And so it's for everyone. Politics is for everyone. Well, it shouldn't be. <laughs> Some people are. I've said this before. I'm sorry to say, but it is true. Some people are just too fucking stupid. On the left and the right and right down the fucking middle. They just don't have the cognitive ability to consider, like, competing factors and critical thought and bias and influence and why cultural identity shouldn't outrank fiscal stability and, and God knows what else, you know? Some people just want a simple story. Just a good guy and a bad guy. And the good guy over here wears a blue tie. And the bad guy wears a red tie because red means danger. Ooh. And the good guy waves your flag. You remember your flag, don't you, Steve? Wave your little flag. That's it, good lad. Like a lot of people are just too stupid. And that's all they need. It's a story of good and bad. You know, sometimes they get a little bit more clever with it where they start saying shit like, you know, Labour are just the politics of envy. They're just jealous of the riches of these successful Tories. You know, and then you imagine one of them going like, well, hang on, like, you know, some of Labour supported, some of them are quite wealthy, so that, that doesn't really work. Ah, well, here's another simple story for you. Those guys are just champagne socialist oh right right yeah yeah so you know whatever they are rich or poor we've got you covered simple story night night steve okay yeah night thanks <laughs> like i swear to god that's most people and here's the mad depressing thing right like i don't think it's reversible at this stage like you know i said it was boring and then it, it heated up uh with social media um which actually if you haven't read the book uh, Social Warming by Charles Arthur. He was one of my first guests on the podcast. Uh, you should go and check it out because I, I read it as part of my sort of research for that episode. But oh my God, is it eye-opening. It's called Global... Uh, not Global, sorry. Social Warming by Charles Arthur. Um, but anyway, this, this sort of thing, this division, this hate, this anger, the, you know, divisiveness and... Like, it started with social media, we know that, but it's now so deeply ingrained... You know, that legacy media, your newspapers, your TV news has just replicated the same divisions that you used to get from the algorithm. Right. Like people watch BBC News and Sky News now, I think, when they want what is, by my perception, quite reasonable news output. Right. But then, I don't know, people who took too much acid. 20 years ago might favor the output of fucking talk tv or gb news aligns more to their particular type of insanity and it's just like how they used to scroll through curated news that was designed to keep them engaged and more and more angry on facebook six years ago now it's like that with uh talk tv gb news the daily express and so on like we're in too deep now it feels I don't know. Maybe there is a way about out of it. Maybe like, like, do you think you could de-radicalize your dad? Imagine your dad getting all you know heated about whatever's in the news that day. Bloody hypocrites! Or you know, 
someone tearing down a statue or, you know, the proms being taken off or a white guy didn't get a job at the BBC, whatever it is that he's getting wound up about. Do you think you could de-radicalise that person, whether it's your dad or granddad or uncle or whoever? Because I don't know. Like, do you think if you nicked your dad's phone and posted something horrendously racist on all of his socials, right? Fraped, we used to call it, didn't we? And then reported him from your own account, you know, so that his device was banned from Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Basically, if you removed these echo chambers and news sources from him, do you think he would come back down? Do you think he would de-radicalise? Do you think it's possible now? Or do you think he would just stay the same? You know, because fucking Mikey Graham and, you know, the other long-haired guy on GB News. He's a fucking cult leader-looking guy. Who is he? Looks, he looks like you've ordered a, you know, cult leader off Wish. <laughs> Neil Oliver, that's the guy. Fucking Freeview Jesus. Do you think your radicalised dad would become de-radicalised if you threw his phone in a lake? You know, like, I'm sorry, I, I got the iPhone for you for Christmas, Gramps, but it, you're too crazy. It's, it's, we need to get rid of it. It's gone. Consider it gone. Like, do you think that would bring him back down? Or do you think Freeview Jesus and fucking Dan Wooten would just keep him doped up on the hate endorphins, you know, or the increasingly divisive newspapers that they might fill in for his phone, you know? I feel like nothing would change now at this stage. If you took his phone away from it. Like, I'm not even sure de-radicalisation is possible, to be honest. I know we talk about it, and I know there's government initiatives, and, you know, more power to them. Good for them. But I feel like maybe you just have to ride the shit out, you know, see where it ends up. You just, you just have to hope whoever the impressionable idiot is that they get distracted by something else <laughs> that's less harmful, you know? get obsessed by something else like can you de-radicalize people look at majid nawaz right like didn't that guy that guy got brainwashed and conditioned into thinking the west was soulless infidels or some shit or like it was wasn't it like a, a islamist terror cell or something that he got radicalized by like 20 years ago i think that's accurate but if not do please do correct me uh you know i don't, I don't know everything i'm going off memory here my memory's fucking shit I think of it, it was some sort of Islamic terror thing that was outlawed in a country and he spent some time in prison for it. And he was definitely part of something anyway. And then he came out of it and he was like, yeah, that was, uh, that was crazy. <laughs> Can't believe I got caught up in all that shit. That's weird. <laughs> then he became a liberal Democrat, became a voice of left-leaning values on LBC at the weekend. And you think, oh, cool. You know, de-radicalized. And then the pandemic came along. <laughs> and you would hope he would know himself well enough, right? You would hope he would think when you start hearing crazy shit on, you know, I don't know, Twitter or various news groups or... You'd hope he would know himself well enough by this point where he could look himself in the mirror and go like, oh, okay, well, calm down, Majid. Like, you know, you know what you can get like. You don't want to lock down? Fine, but let's not, let's not get swept away in the New World Order shit. Like, you, you just hope he would press pause, you know, and consider shit. But no, he ran with it. Got let go by LBC. Cut adrift. So I don't know, like, maybe... Maybe people who get radicalised by things 
are just always going to be that way, you know? And even when they come out of one thing, they just are likely to go into another one, you know? And in this age, we're radicalizing material, whether it's COVID misinformation or, you know, Brexit lies or whatever, they're just going to get to people sooner or later, whether it's mainstream news, Facebook or Telegram channels, or you know, whether you take their phone off them or not, or you, you know, it's just always going to be that way. Is it like, is that it? Maybe the solution is to manage their radicalizing potential, right? Get these motherfuckers obsessed <laughs> with harmless subjects instead. Like, um, you know, Majid seems to have a thing about oppression, right? Totalitarianism. Whether it's, uh, you know, an Islamist group fighting against what, like uh, crusading Western forces or Israeli occupation somewhere or, you know, whatever the fuck it was in his original group. Whatever that was about, I don't know. I'm not fucking Wikipedia. You know, or if it's now, you know, about this idea of lockdown being the beginning of a new world order where the government can force you into your homes and, you know, we've become veritable prisons at the drop of a hat. Like, that seems to be his thing also. So, I don't know, like, maybe we could take that totalitarianism obsession. That maybe we channel that, guys. Sounding like a fucking, you know cliche character in a movie about boxing <laughs> taking angry street fighting teens into my boxing club and let them channel that anger into something positive put an arm around them like how could you channel his radicalism for want of a better word about oppression into something positive like is there anywhere else that's oppressed in the world no. Did oh, did he he solved all those already? Did he? Fuck. Takes this shit serious. <laughs> like are there, is there Palestinians that could use a, you know, articulate, well-read British thought leader speaking on their behalf or, you know, maybe black dudes in America getting shot the fuck up for going for a jog or uh I don't know, like asylum seekers trying to get some help in the UK but being fucking beaten up or harassed or you know like i love this idea that people like majid or f like james melville another one going in for the you know the oppression the totalitarianism the new world order cashless societies and the beginning of government control they're trying to oppress us and like and yet you could fight oppression over there mate it's like what no no that's um no that's not uh that's not uh, th uh this Right, but it's, I mean, it's about oppression, right? Taking away people's rights? That's thats what you said. To, yeah, but uh, I, I mean, I like the idea of a dystopian, totalitarian society and, you know, me being the guy that's uh, ringing the warning bell, like I'm in some sort of, you know, Blade Runner, Mad Max, Running Man sort of thing, and, and I can see it, but, but no one else can. Like, right, right, okay. Because then it's a story about me being, uh, you know, being smarter than everybody else. <coughs> Man, I need to think of a, you know, a new voice to put on for characters and shit. I don't think Majid or Melville sound like that, by the way. So there's really no value in me doing a sort of husky voice. Um, 
But that is it, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's a story about them being smarter than everyone else and ringing the warning bell. And it's a sort of, you know, dystopian tech kind of thriller thing. Like, it's th that is it, isn't it? It's not just me. Like, if it was really about oppression, they'd be focusing their time and energy on the oppressions, plural, that are actually out there today, now. Not fucking, like, hiding behind a sub-stack paywall, jabbering on about some, you know, sci-fi plot they dreamt up on a whiteboard after one too many bifters. You know, like, I, I don't know if either of them smoke weed, but I'm just saying, like, if it's got that feel to it, right? Like, I enjoy science fiction too. I don't want to see people being oppressed. But it's possible to keep those things separate. <laughs> it's possible to say, free Palestine, and I enjoyed Black Mirror. <laughs> they don't have to overlap at all. Keep those two statements in separate corners of your fucking brain. And ideally on different Twitter accounts, please. Fuck me. Oppression... And dystopian sci-fi. That's the sweet spot, isn't it? Oppression and dystopian sci-fi. The fear factor. That idea that, you know, powers behind the scenes are going to lock us down and control us. And COVID was just the beginning. Soon, it'll be fucking government-sponsored crypto that'll get you, you know, cancelled off your phone and you'll be removed from, like, society if you don't stay true to their wokey cancel culture agenda like that's and, it, and because it's something vague in the future right it's quite clever they can peddle this shit endlessly you know and in that way really it's you know it's less about fighting for um you know finding the truth or exposing things which is what all these people you know sort of obsess about this is coming please believe me you have to listen to me this is the truth they're not telling you the truth like it's that shit that they obsess about. But this shit is more about, you know, having this nonsense keep going with no end in sight. You know, it's sort of another type of sunlit uplands, isn't it? It's sort of another Brexit benefits are just around the corner. You know, stick with us. Just hang on. The only difference is it's sort of, you know, inverted and terrifying, you know. Brexit benefits is a good thing. Sunlit uplands, a good thing. Stick with us. This is coming. These guys are like flipping it. They're like, things are going to get so nightmarish and dystopian. Oh, my God. Don't hang up now. If you stay on the line another 60 seconds, you could win this microwavable egg tray. And you just, you know, you're forced to hold on that little bit longer. Listen to me more. Subscribe to the Substack. Totalitarianism is coming. Probably. Hang in there. Wait for it. Christ is coming any day now. I don't know, man. Do you think... Do you think they know or realise how weird and dogmatic they sound when it's like their output is sort of viewed in that context? Like, this is why so many of us look at them like they've lost the plot, you know? Like, they got off the train at Woolwich. They, they are three jabs short of a set. Like, we all know what it does to people when they're isolated for too long. You know, they start talking to themselves, sometimes in a cabin, on a podcast. 
they start talking to themselves you know they they think too much they go levels deep they go a bit weird you know like your granddad is only that way because no one goes to fucking see him <laughs> he's a bit weird but none of you go to see him. this guy who was stranded on a desert island for seven years was never the same again and you know so on for some people, being isolated sends them fucking loopy. And I really think there's something in that with people like Majid Nawaz and James Melville, right? Because <laughs> like, they went into lockdown. And then they went a bit nutty, I think. Whiteboards on the wall. Theories. They joined news groups. Twitter threads. They went down the rabbit hole. But there's still this part of their subconscious that is still there. That's still the old Majid. That knows that that's what sent him nutty. And now that subconscious is it's still there bubbling underneath, but it manifests as an outward aversion to lockdowns. I think there's something in that. Like, don't do lockdowns anymore. I'm begging you. Don't do them. We can't do lockdowns. Like, it's so weird and, you know, ironic and meta. We can't do lockdowns ever again because they're shit and awful. And look how crazy they made me. Like, pointing thumbs to himself. Like what remains of his self, his pre-COVID self, is just buried deep beneath the insanity. And now the only way that that you know self can bubble up into the the the, the real world now is to to sort of just market an aversion to lockdown. And then I don't know. You add in the shit about you know it's coming, it's coming. It's totalitarianism and control. This is just the beginning, but it's coming. So stick with me. Listen to me. And you think, you know, the sci-fi element and the need for you to stay subscribed and just hang in there a bit longer and listen to them. And the fact it's, you know, it's always one guy. It's like a Majid or a Melville or a Farage or whoever. It's always one guy, a single man there, preaching, warning, ranting. Stick with me just a little bit longer. And then you just think, fuck, man. This is not that far off, like, Scientology, is it? Like, it's the same. It's just a guy there saying, stick with me. Keep, you know, paying the Substack or the Patreon or whatever. There's more truth just around the corner. Stay on the line. A sci-fi backstory. Like, isn't there some way that we could, you know, drive around with a minibus and scoop up the Melvilles and the Majids and the Toby Youngs and the fucking Dan Woodens and, you know, just stuff them all in a coach and drive them down to a big field in Kent and put a little podium with a mic there and give each of them a little turn to rant about, you know, freedoms and Fauci and, you know, maybe Master of Ceremonies should be that actual fucking priest guy. Fucking, oh, cosplay Calvin. <laughs> Cosplay Calvin should be like the, the MC for the event. You know, GB News priest guy. I hope you know who I mean. He would, he, obvious choice for him to host it. A sort of, you know, it would be a festival of Brexit, but for shitheads, you know. You don't have to have voted Brexit to get to this. You just have to be a fucking weird COVID lockdown skeptic-y kind of, you know. And they'd all get a turn on the podium, mic thing, and they all get to feel like the dystopian society prophet thought leader guy and and then you know there'd be a sort of you know, like wedding marquee kind of thing and they they would go in and there's a long table 
you know, over here with, oh, right, said Fred playing over there. And, you know, they're 500 plastic glasses, a bit like a wedding, but they'd have Kool-Aid in them. And they each take one and they all, you know, walk up the hill and knock it back and transition to the next stage. That's... <laughs> Like, is there some way we can fifth gear this to that, you know? And then let the rest of us get on with running the country in a grown-up, sensible way, please. Because that is the very natural, predictable endpoint to all this. Can we just leapfrog the fucking substack links and the appearances on GB News and the faux intellectualism of saying no to vaccines and jabs and all like can we just skip all that shit and paypal activism and can we just jump straight to the end game 300 kool-aid cunts dead in a field <laughs> so drunk on liberty and obsessed with freedoms that they chased that dragon to the ultimate fix and found endless freedom <laughs> and why would you want to deny them that. <laughs> if anything, that's sort of restricting their rights in a weird way. In fact, in an admittedly weird and warped way, the libertarian, freedom-loving man within me thinks we should all let them die. What? No, that is... that's too dark. <laughs> too... too much. Anyway, look, uh, this... This got dark. I think that's um, that's uh, unquestionable at this stage. This got dark and silly. And, uh, and for the avoidance of doubt, just to be clear, of course I don't want them all dead in a field. That is, you know, these are somebody's sons. For God's sake. How can I be sat here one minute like, uh, you know, some people got radicalised. And next minute I'm like, that guy I disagreed with needs to die. That is not what I'm... No. Uh, I would settle for... I don't know, um, what, like, uh, incentivizing them to fuck off. That would be, I'd be fine with that. You know? Like, someone get some dark money involved. Funnel some rubles, or yen, or Bitcoin this way. You know, we'll write them a check. They can consider it, like, the ultimate grift. Like, um, you know, like, if they're willing to say X for 800 pounds on GB News... No, I'll, I'll, I'll big up fracking. Yeah, sure. No, write me a check. If they're willing to say that, I'm not saying Magid or Melville are doing that. I'm just saying, you know, this particular class of people, the grifters, if they're willing to say X for a certain amount of money, maybe for 10 grand, they'll fuck off. Like, you know, paid leave for pricks or something. Guys, that's it. This has been a lot of fun. It has got dark. Uh, I hope that's okay with you um if you are enjoying the show if you're enjoying sort of two or three episodes now uh and you would like to support it there is a patreon uh there's three tiers that you can choose from and they start at three pounds you get first look access to each episode of the podcast i always post them to patreon first we also have a discord channel where me and the patreon supporters jump in there we talk shit about tories we take the piss we share ideas about politics um you will get access to that also um i'm also having a live in-person meetup it's coming up very soon it's thursday the 27th of october in east london it's gonna be good fun we're gonna like a lot of people do like when you do social media stuff a lot of people do sort of you know meetups or you know live q and a's 
I've said from the outset, I don't want to do that. I, that's not me. That's a sort of influencer thing. I consider myself a binfluencer. Someone who scrapes the muck off the bottom of the bin and says, Whoa, look at this shit. Like, I'm not inspiring or telling you to live your best life or any of that shit. Um, so I thought more in line with, you know, who I am and what I do. Uh, maybe let's just meet up, talk shit. I'm referring to it as the sort of meetup, piss up. It's just, you know, me and about 10 or 15 people in a pub. And we're just going to have a laugh. Uh, so if you would like to attend that also, that is also for the Patreon. So jump on the Patreon now. You can sign up on the uh, £3 or £5 or there's actually a £10 one there. Uh, if you jump on the £10 one, which is obviously, you know, that's a bit outrageous uh, for what I do. Uh, but you do get to jump on a private Skype call with me and the other £10 guys uh, once a month. So once we've got a couple of those guys in, I think I've got two £10 guys now. Uh, so I'll I'll have to start formulating that soon. So if that's of interest, then maybe consider that one. Now, if you're not in a position to support the podcast financially, that is understandable. Uh, it's a really fucked up time right now. Mortgages, energy bills, everything. I get it. Uh, all I would say is just share the podcast around. Uh, I'm really enjoying doing it. And every little share helps. And, uh, and every view and every subscriber helps to put me in a better position to start attracting sponsors. And that is the last bit of podcast admin I just want to talk about. Like, part of doing this, right, is, is taking the piss. I love fucking taking the piss and roasting. And uh, the idea of doing, like, live events is really exciting to me, too. And getting, you know, I want to bring good guests on. And obviously, all of that starts with having the financial... Uh, foundations to start growing shit so what does that mean well super happy to have the patreons on board um, but also i'm looking for brand partners so if you run a brewery if you run a t-shirt printing business if you do something that you think might be a good look to pair to sort of co-market this podcast together and you would like to see your brand mentioned or on a banner behind my head when i do the podcast or um at the live events with little flyers and shit and everywhere basically if you want to sponsor the show uh don't be shy get in touch tweet at me or follow me and ask me to follow you back and we'll have a private message about it uh and i'm on twitter at aid thompson a-i-d and then t-h-o-m-p-s i-n so it's aid thompson with an i-n on the end uh, or you can follow the podcast which is at oh shut up aid <laughs> um or you know what go on to my website which is funk 27 uh and i mentioned earlier i put all the podcasts on patreon first but then two days later they go on to funk 27 and spotify and apple podcasts and you know all the usual places so uh you'll always get those for free they just you know it's only fair that i put them out to patreon first um so yeah get in touch if you run if you run a brand if you're interested in sponsoring or partnering in some way don't be shy that's it from me this has been a really fun episode and i'm looking forward to uh friday night's episode with dr robert bush in which we sort of look back at covid uh, from his perspective and, and indeed my own i'll be back next week with another solo episode uh, always on a wednesday until then ciao for now bye bye we outie